0: you are listening to public health joy the safe space where we help public health professionals to serve educate and build healthier communities we do more than public health we bring joy to public health let's get it let's go So welcome to our listeners. We are so glad that you are joining us today. I am your host, Dr. Joy, a community health education and a research consultant who helps early career public health professionals to serve, educate, and build healthier communities. We help you to transform your skills, your education and your research into life changing public health programs, bringing joy to the communities you serve. You can learn more about our services and programs at Joy Washington Consulting at www.joywashington.com. So happy National Public Health Week. Not only is today World Health Day, but today we also get to celebrate history being made as the first black woman to be nominated and confirmed as the next Supreme Court Justice, Judge Katanji Brown Jackson. So that has been awesome news today. We are also here tonight with some wonderful public health professionals who are here to share their public health journey and how to build a public health career to serve communities. This is a safe space uh, where we share information and resources about careers, public health, all the things. So if you hear some good stuff, make sure you're taking some notes. Make sure that you're sharing this information, share this, this broadcast as well. And we are recording. Um, so that will be available if you have to leave or if you miss something, if you want to just listen to the replay, listen to this awesome conversation one more time. So with that said, let's introduce our speakers. So, Quisha, you can go first. Just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do, and how you serve. Well,
1: hello, everyone. Hello, Dr. G- Joy and to my family, Zoyla. I'm so, mm-hmm. nurse with a public health background. In fact, I like to say often that I'm the nurse that got bit by the public health bug. I am the CEO of Umemba Health LLC, which is a public health consulting and education agency. I am also the training director for Umemba Health Academy, a virtual campus for community health workers, community health worker instructors, and other frontline public health professionals. Uh, And what did you say? Who I am, what I do and what else was there, Joy? I want to make sure I answer all the questions. Uh, Who you are, what you do and how you serve and how I serve. Thank you so much. So I serve in a couple of different ways through my organizations. Um, First, I help improve individual development and I do that by something I call elevating a multidimensional skill set. Um, We do this through education and training, through coaching and mentoring and other services as well. And then I also serve organizations. So we help improve organizational performance by improving public health and population health practices that really aim to drive healthy change in patient or client populations and we do this through a number of ways um, consulting curriculum development workshop facilitation ce accreditation assistance and so on so on so on so I'm sure we'll get into more ways that I serve uh, here in a little bit so I'll just keep that short but again i so glad to be joining you ladies this evening.
0: Awesome thank you so much Zoila why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself.
2: Hi, good afternoon. Thank you for having me, Um, Joy and Kisha. This is uh, exciting to be able to connect with everyone on National Public Health Week. I am the founder and CEO of Public Health Hired. Um, We were founded at the height of the pandemic, really um, recognizing that uh, our colleagues were in high demand. I have been in the field for 15 years. Um, working a lot in tobacco control, chronic disease management, um, and currently in a lot of social health, behavioral health, and mental health spaces, um, but I am dedicated to helping increase workforce readiness, um, support career de- development for public health across the board, whether you have your bachelor's, master's, or doctorate, um, and I, I also have a full-time job. I work for a healthcare company as a consultant um, for a lot of those spaces I just mentioned, focus areas I mentioned, but um, on my weekends and on my extra time, I am dedicated to really helping our colleagues um, listening here to make sure that they get
0: what they need to advance in their field. So thanks for having me. Awesome. Now you both have mentioned kind of where you are now, but we all know when it comes to public health, we all have a journey and we all have a story to tell. So if you all could tell us a little bit about how you got started, kind of where you've been and, and what your public health career path has looked like. Sure. You want me to start, Joy? Sure. Go ahead.
1: OK, so I started out uh, in nursing. Actually, I worked at the Central Arkansas uh, Veterans Healthcare Center for the first 10 years of my, I guess, real adult working career. Um, and I decided that I wanted to further my education and go back to school and get my BSN, Bachelor's of Science in Nursing. And so one of the first assignments that we had to do in our community nursing class was a windshield assessment, which in short means, you know, you either walk around your, a particular neighborhood or you drive around. And you make note of everything that is is a public health issue. And so uh, it was really the first time where I got to say like, oh, there's no bus stops here. There's no sidewalks here. There's new construction here. There's dogs running around, you know, and everything that I made note of in in my neighborhood at the time, which was a new development, um, was a public health concern. And so it was the first time it really exposed me and opened my eyes that, um, you know, all health, uh, deals, all public health deals with health or vice versa. Um, so I decided after getting my BSN, like, you know, I don't really need another nursing degree. Maybe I'll look into this master's in public health. And that's exactly what I did. And so, uh, I got my MPH and my first position out of grad school was uh, chief nurse in the office of chronic disease and prevention at the Houston health department. And so I worked there for, a few years managing chronic disease programs managing staff and initiatives um, did a lot of grant writing developing partnerships designing implementing evaluating health programs i mean it was a beast but i for the most part loved every single moment of my time there Uh, i really credit my time at the health department for developing a lot of the skills that i have now and i will honestly say and you can't say this for most degrees, but I will honestly say that everything I learned in my MPH program, I ended up using those skills uh, in some way during my job at the health department. Uh, my second public health job, and, and, and I guess last public health job, because now I'm an entrepreneur, um, was diabetes nurse consultant for the Texas Department of State Health Services. So I've worked federal government, local government, and state government. And also, I want to mention as well, as, as Zoila said, I still currently work full-time in addition um, to Umemba Health and Umemba Health Academy. So I'm, I'm currently working in the private sector. Uh, and let's just say I probably won't be going back to the public sector. Um, but that's a little bit about my public health career start. I'll pass it to you now, Zoila. Great.
2: Great. Um... So I also, Quisha, you mentioned earlier that you got bit by the public health bug. And <laughs> I think everyone eventually does um, get bit. And for me, it was when I was um, working for a nonprofit organization, specifically the American Lung Association. And I had just graduated from UCLA with my undergraduate in psychology. So public health was not at all in my um, purview I didn't even know it was out there i just knew that i wanted to dedicate myself to meaningful work and i find that as a very common value that um, a lot of our colleagues share i'm sure as well um, among the three of us that we just want to to help to improve our communities to leave this world a better place and so with that i realized when I was working as a program coordinator for a youth tobacco prevention program um, in my early career, I slowly learned about public health just from the folks I worked with. So I um, I was expected to do a lot of travel, go to a lot of high schools, meet with a lot of coalitions, connect with public health departments. And I remember asking my manager, I'm like, public health departments, there's such a thing as public health departments? What are public health departments? <laughs> so I have a very distinct, like, just a few times in my early career thinking like, wait, what's this? And I keep hearing this. So over time, I ended up learning what public health, that it was just so, so much broader and, and, and more exciting than I could have ever dreamed of. So I ended up going back to get my master's in public health about four years um, after working full-time at that one job I mentioned. So yeah, I was definitely bit by the bug.
0: And it's so funny that you all are, are talking about that public health is like this bug that you, it just kind of comes out of nowhere. <laughs> you, you hear about it and it's like, what is public health? What, it's very, infectious. It, yeah, very it's infectious. infectious. Yeah, it's very infectious. <laughs>
1: In fact, I was going to say addiction. Hey, we're using buzzwords here. But I, yeah, it's it's the best kind of addiction, I think.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's that, uh, Zoil. I think you said the meaningful work behind it. Yeah. And I was telling somebody the other day, I was in Girl Scouts. So when we grew up in Girl Scouts and we would go to camp and all that type of stuff, the thing that they would tell us is that you always leave a place better than you found it. Like, that is mm-hmm. that is the thing. And so I feel like when it comes to public health, I carry that same principle with me. Like, I want to leave a place better than I found it. Like, that's where I come to serve. That's where I come to do meaningful work. That is the essence of the public health bug. <laughs> you know, that's what it does. It transforms you to think about how can I leave this place better than I found it, you know? And yeah. so-
2: I agree. And I think for me, just um, to add to that joy, I think I, I know that a lot of folks I talk to actually started their path wanting to be a doctor, or maybe it was a nurse similar to you, where you just assumed your contribution, the best way you can contribute is to be a doctor, be a teacher, be a lawyer, like these one word, (laughs) these one word jobs. And, you know, public health is is a space that I find our I, our colleagues find ourselves in because, you know, maybe the healthcare field just didn't work out for them, but public health really welcomed um, kind of what they wanted to do with their, with their life.
0: Yeah. And same, same here. I, I always dreamed of going to medical school and being a trauma surgeon. Mm-hmm. And I envisioned myself being in the ER and helping people. You too. <laughs> yeah. That was me same, all day. watching same thing.
1: Oh, I was going to be a forensic, yeah, forensic forensic
0: scientist, yep. Wow. Too much TV. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. And then you get bitten by the public health bug. And, you know, one of those things, Quisha, you you mentioned it, the windshield tour. And I think it's one of those key public health things. It's one of the first things you learn, but we don't implement it as often. Often, I feel Mm -hmm.
1: like, although it's one of those. What's the 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 windshield? What's the windshield? um, The windshield assessment. So for for us. Yeah. So for us, we had to drive down, uh, you know, drive a two mile radius or whatever. Uh, I can't remember exactly what the assignment was, but I remember having my notebook. Of course, I was driving maybe five miles per hour. And uh, our instructor said, make note of everything that is a public health concern. And uh, I remember at the time because we, we were in a new division, houses were were still being built and there was nothing there. It was like there were no bus stops there. There were no sidewalks. There were, you know, kind of dogs all over, you know, kind of rural area. Uh, and I remember there, there was there were not stop signs. And I remember thinking, wow, there are a lot of a lot of issues over here. Of course, it's new development. But I started looking all over the city at, at, at things like that. And at the time, I was volunteering for the Red Cross. I was a, a central Arkansas um, nurse leader uh, for disaster response. And I would go into, like, like, even here as I'm sitting here in this baseball field, I had it so bad when I first got in public health. I would go to events and look for the exits. I would look for, like, concerns where, you know, people could be trapped or there would be dangers or, it, I, I mean, I really had it bad. And so that, that windshield assessment, that really did it for me. It really changed my look at at health in general and the landscape of health. And so I felt like, okay, yes, I have the experience of being a clinical nurse. I've worked in the outpatient setting. I've worked in a variety of inpatient settings, but then when I got my MPH, I just felt like it really gave me a full 360 degree view of, of healthcare and what healthcare, um, and, and what, True health
0: is. Yeah, and I know when I did, when I did my windshield tour, uh, I think that was maybe the one of the first classes that we took was about how to do assessments and how to do a windshield tour with my MPH. And one of the things that it taught me in serving communities and being a public health professional is you have to change your perspective. So if you were to just go out and do a windshield tour in a particular community, you might tend to see all of the, the you know, the rundown buildings, all the negative things, all the deficits, where there are needs, and those things are important to note. But one of the things that I learned in my public health program is you also have to use your windshield tour and your perspective to see what the what the strengths are. What are those things that are unique to that community? What resources do you see? Well, next to the rundown building, there's a church, and on Sunday morning, so that good. church is packed. <laughs> you know that so church good. is packed. So there, so there are people there. You know, there is a community resource here in that church. You know, maybe there's no bus stop here, but there's a there's a full school around the corner and there are teachers there. There are principals there. There are students there. There are families there. So looking to see as a public health professional, you know, not just what the needs are, but also what is that community's capacity? What are their strengths? What are the things that make it unique? Because that is almost more important, because that's what's going to lead you to figuring out how do we address the, the needs. That is so good, Joy. I'm so,
1: so glad that you said that. Um, and that's not something at the time, you know, early on that I understood. It's having that strength based approach, even though like I did it individually. Right. With patients, because that's how they teach you when you're doing Motivational interviewing and health coaching. It still took me a while transitioning to really kind of know where to apply my clinical and and kind of touch on working with individuals to the community and vice versa, where to apply some of those community strategies as well when you're working with individuals. So that was a really, really good point you made.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And And it does take a while. It takes a while to to have a because it's a total shift it's a total shift in your mindset and in your perspective to start thinking from a strength-based approach and it takes work it's, it's like working working your muscle working your brain muscle to think a different way oh
2: and my gosh joy yeah i i think I, i'm 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 hearing this the more you say strength-based approach i'm like oh my gosh i think that's what i focus on with with my mentees like really helping them, you know, frame their background in that strength-based mindset. <laughs> like I think I think a lot of what I see when I talk to my my colleagues, um folks who just want more advice on their career, we take for granted all the work we've done, but if you really practice on seeing how everything you've done comes from building capacity, strengthening the organization and strengthening connections, collaboration, when it comes from that strength based approach, like you're saying, you do end up actually having more traction in your in your job hunt, because you almost value yourself, your confidence goes up, you just see things differently for yourself. So there's just a lot there that I see in the correlation between how we help community from that strength based place but also for our own career development.
0: Yeah, that's that's a really good point because we have to as public health professionals, we have to be able to see the the strength in ourselves. Yeah. in order to in order to figure out what is it that we need to do and what position do we have and what role do we play in mm-hmm. serving our communities. Um, and it's kind of like that saying, you know, they say all the time, you can't pour from an empty cup, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you can't, <laughs> you can't do that. So you have to really spend some time figuring out what your strengths are as a professional um, so that you can be, also be able to recognize the strengths in your community, um, whatever community that you're serving. So mm-hmm. with that said, uh, let's move on to our next question, which I'm thinking I'm looking at the questions because I have them in order. So I'm like, which question would be a good, a good one to go to next? Um, so let's just talk a little bit about how do you currently work to serve communities in your public 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 health career. I cannot talk tonight. Uh, so, how do you currently work to serve communities in your public health career? And I know Quisha, Quisha and Zoila, you are both entrepreneurs like me as well. So, what are you all doing, especially on that on that entrepreneur track, to to serve sure. your communities?
2: I'll, I'll I'll start on this one. So, I think so for me, I um, started public health hired a little over a year ago, and it really um, was there was a combination of factors of why one of the main drivers was that we were isolated and we couldn't go anywhere. And this virtual world just opened up to all of us, not only zoom meetings, but Twitter and Instagram and everything else in between. So it was a natural way to connect with colleagues across the nation and have a conversation about, Hey, how are you doing? How's the job hunt? So for me, it was almost an excuse to just reach out and connect with people because I myself was isolated and I couldn't see folks. But uh, on the flip side, I also recognize how painful and and difficult the job hunt is for public health. I think I hear some folks, you know, get by, they do just fine. But for the majority of us, I think it's a lot of growing pains. There's a lot of stretching we do. There's a lot of navigation, confusion, false starts that maybe we run into and with that, I I felt like it was, you know, with the demand in our field, public health was coming out of everyone's mouth all of a sudden in the pandemic. It just seemed like a natural way to to help my community. You know, I felt like if I could help my, my colleagues help their communities, then in a way, I'm also helping many communities all at once. So I, I think naturally it was a way for me to step in and help where I felt like I could where I felt like I had value to add Um, from my own little home you could probably hear my kid yelling in the background (laughs) but I I, you know I in a way I guess I'm uh, somewhat thankful that I was put in this circumstance and being isolated from the world so much that it almost made me think creatively outside the box and get out of my comfort zone I had no fear anymore going on Online and putting my face on, you know, on IG Live or you know, even being on this um, Twitter space, very new to me, first time. But I'm open to it, you know. Before I wasn't. Before I would be like, no, social media, that's really not for me. Like I'm, I'm good. <laughs> and so I think it's it's opened up uh, for all of us. Just it's one of the best ways to connect nowadays, and it's um, it's been really a great journey so far. I've been so blessed to meet hundreds of thousands of colleagues across the nation graduating or just transitioning or trying to find their way and grow their career. But that is my contribution to our field. And I really hope to keep, keep growing and keep helping the best way I can.
1: I was laughing when you had mentioned social media, it's still something that I struggle with. I actually, this is my first Twitter spaces too. And you have to create a Twitter account to, to be able to participate. And I, and I, I told Joy, I was like, don't share that Twitter account because that hashtag or handle or whatever (laughs) you call it. Uh, Because I was like, as soon as this is over, I'm getting off. So whoever's listening, do not try to contact me on Twitter. I let Twitter go about a year and a half ago. Um, No. So I think the question is how, what was it? How do you serve communities? Tell me the question again, please,
0: Joy. Uh, How do you you currently work to serve communities in your public health career? Oh, wow.
1: How do I not? Um, So, one of the first things that I'll say and I, and I loved everything that you said, Zoyla, especially when you were talking about an excuse, um, I started doing member health as an excuse because I needed to start another business. I had two businesses that failed before well, one was a partnership and then one was solo and I was working at the um, I was working at the state health department and I was extremely bored out of my mind. Uh, I don't know if anybody's worked for any state um, state health department, but they're a little bit slower paced than what I'm accustomed to. Uh, and so I remember at the time telling my husband, like, I'm going to start this business. I'm going to like do the same thing on the side that I'm doing for the clients at that time. Because uh, I'm also a certified diabetes care and education specialist. I was working with cl- uh, clients in diabetes programs that were trying to um, take a component of their DSME program and, and make it virtual. So I tell my husband, like, it can't be that hard. I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to get me a Zoom and, you know, start doing virtual webinars and all of this. And I it really was just kind of lessons learned, trial and error. Um, and, but what I was learning, I was then taking to work and advising the clients and saying, you know, this is the best platform. This is HIPAA compliant. This is the best curriculum and so on and so forth. And so I did that for about five months, um, providing kidney disease education and diabetes education and heart disease education. It was all free. Um, didn't make really any money, but was like, you know what? Something's got to give in the next six months and then COVID, uh, and I remember we were actually flying out of the country and I told my husband, I said, nobody's going to want to come to diabetes class Saturday because, you know, everybody's too busy trying to find tissue and sanitizer and all of that. But it was the best thing to happen for me because I I, I figured out on that trip that um, who would need help preparing for COVID-19 response um, and just adapting in general to this virtual environment would be um, professional people, healthcare workers, public health workers. And so um, that's where Umemba Health Academy was born. And I really do try to serve um, what I, I always call them the real front line. Some people take offense to it. I realize I'm a nurse as well, but I do look at CHWs as boots on the ground. I do think they're the social determinants of health experts, and we know that it's the social determinants of health that really have the greatest impact on a, on a patient's or, you know, a person's outcomes. And so I aim to serve um, CHWs and other frontline public health professionals first by mentoring. I always say that there was not, uh, you know, mentors were few and far between for me, especially when it comes to public health. And so I want to mentor and, and, and be a role model to show what can be accomplished Um, Another way that I serve is by volunteering my time. So I am the co-founder and president for diversity in diabetes, which is a nonprofit um, organized here in the state of Texas, where we really work to advocate and create awareness um, for the lack of diversity in the diabetes space. Um, So I think for me, serving my community with my public health career (laughs) is selfishly um, kind of scratching all of my itches, so to speak um, and and allowing me to wear the different hats. So, you know, on any given day, yeah, I'm CEO, I can be training director, I can be, you know, registered nurse, I can be CHW instructor, or I can be co-founder. Um, and it's all those things I love. Yeah, it's hard to find the balance sometimes, but, um, it does feed the altruistic need for me to, you know, to, like you said, joy earlier, leave people and and places and community better than, um, better than they were when I got there.
0: Exactly. And I know that, um, Zoila, you mentioned one thing about, you know, one of the things that I recognized when I became an entrepreneur and I was one of those like, oh, I don't want to be on social media. (laughs) You know, I was all like stranger danger. I watched Sesame Street. I know like we don't talk to strangers on the Internet, so I don't want to do social media. But one of the things that I loved about it was that, you know, there are there's this community of public health professionals on social media and it's really comforting to have that support. Of people to rally around you and, and we can help each other to serve so many more communities when we work together and we can collaborate and we can be innovative whether you're an entrepreneur or not you know we all are unique, we all have unique skills, we all have different strengths. So figuring out kind of where we fit in and getting innovative, no matter where we are in our public health career path, can be super helpful in serving our communities and recognizing that not only do we have a community that we can serve, but we're also a part of a community as well. Um, in, In this particular instance, I'm talking about social media and being a part of public health professionals, but for wherever you are, just being a part of that community can be really helpful um, in having that support. Um, And we are going to have one more question before we invite people up to ask questions. Um, So my next question is going to be, so if you are, if you have questions, you'll be able to hit that request button and I will bring you up. Or if you have a comment, if you want to say anything, you are more than welcome to uh, hit that request button and come up. Um, So as we do that, my next question to our speakers or our panelists is what tips would you give to those who want a career that's focused in public health and serving communities or community health, that that area? What tips would you give to them?
1: So I can take this one. Um, I would say intern, uh, intern, multiple if possible. I know I did two internships when I was in grad school, but I mean, by the time I had been working as a nurse for um, by almost 10 years. Um, definitely get a mentor. I actually should have did these in order. Get a mentor. Um, if you have to pay for one, pay for one. Um, and it doesn't have to be, you know, a formal relationship. A lot of times you have informal mentors like, uh, you know, I, I've had mentors that didn't even know they were my, you know, my mentors because I was looking at the way that they walked and they talked and they carried themselves, and how they handled their business. But uh, find you a mentor. Anybody that's great and accomplished anything at life had someone else that was guiding them and coaching them. Uh, and then I always say this, find something that you love to do so much, you would do it for free and then figure out a way to charge for it or figure out a way to get hired doing it. So those are kind of my three tips for public health professionals.
2: Oh my God, Quisha, I have nothing to add to that. No, I'm (laughs)
1: I'm like, wow, those are so good. Um,
2: Yeah, I I, uh, definitely resonate with those tips. Um, I myself am a mentor for a lot of folks. So if anyone needs a mentor, I have a mentorship program. But the tips that I would give is similar to what Quisha you said. for me, the number one tip is actually do not take your non-public health experience for granted. What I mean by that is all of us have come and arrived to public health in different ways. There's almost many. There's almost endless entry points to public health because you can really make a case for why a certain experience has primed and prepared you to now move on into working for public health. A really good example I have is folks that come from the retail space, customer service, call centers, receptionists who feel like, oh, well, I don't work in public health. I have no public health experience and I have to stop them right there and and rec- and, and help them recognize that you actually have the, the skill set to qualify for public health jobs. Just because you haven't overseen a public health program does not mean you don't have the skill set necessary to oversee it as the next role. So I do urge folks who are especially early in their career, bachelors or masters, still haven't gotten their foot in the door with a specific public health kind of role to not take your previous experience for granted. I am so heartbroken when I hear people say that they were forced to take things off their resume because it's not. It's not public healthy. <laughs> and so I have to help them bring that back all onto a proper two page resume. You need to drop the one page resumes, focus on two page resumes, even if you're new to the field, because that is how you really start to value yourself and see your skill set differently.
0: Yeah, see that right there about everything is public health. And when I say everything, I mean everything is public health. Everything has some type of public health lends to it and i tell people the same thing you know it doesn't matter what what you have done if you're a dog walker if you worked at starbucks um if you if you drove the bus if you worked as a garbage uh collector it does not matter there is some type of public health lens to it is all about mm-hmm. what we, what public health, what, how can you find the public health in the thing that you're doing?
2: Yeah. And one of the things I've been doing is really um, educating folks on the key terms that are specific to public health. It seems to really open up a lot of folks um, just how they consider their background, because one thing that I notice, and the more you read jobs You'll see that the relevant experience they actually ask for is more in relation to project management, um, organizational development, stakeholder management. Very rarely will they say, you must have public health experience. <laughs> it actually states, no, you need community engagement experience. You need stakeholder management experience. And if you don't know what those two terms are, then educate yourself so that you can check yourself, check for understanding and really see, do I have that experience? Maybe I do. And so I always challenge folks who come to me saying, I don't have that experience because oftentimes they do.
1: I think that's such a good tip by uh, searching keywords. I know a lot of my students will look for particular jobs and they're searching by job titles. And especially when you're talking about community health workers or CHW supervisors or something like that, I always tell them that, you know, there, there are so many positions that you're missing and overlooking because they don't have those titles. And so it makes a lot more sense as you describe to search by those keywords um, for some of those um, skills that you might actually utilize in that position.
0: That's a really good tip. Yes. Um, and once again, you all can definitely hit the request button and you all can come up if you have comments or questions or just one. So this is a very casual conversation. Um, So as you all are thinking about maybe what you want to say or you're thinking about hitting the request button, we'll go ahead and continue with some more questions for our speakers. Um, What have you all learned about serving communities in your public health journey so far? Is there anything that has surprised you on this journey?
1: So for me, I have learned. Uh, which was a big lesson for me to learn that I can't serve everybody. Um, and I know now that I don't want to, <laughs> but, you know, in the beginning, it was very much like I wanted to save the world. Like it was so hard for me to niche down um, and, and just say, okay, this is going to be my primary focus or these are, this is going to be the primary individuals that I'm going to work with or the primary organizations I'm going to work with. Because I think as many people that work in public health, uh, we're very multipassionate, and there's you know there's so many skills that you develop in public health, so many um, just your skill set is so varied that there's a number of different things that you can do, but you're not meant to serve everyone. and so, um, that was something that I learned um and, and because that'll cause burnout, and I have to learn I'm not gonna be super warm and I'm not everybody's cup of tea. And that's fine. There are going to be people that, you know, flock to me and my personality and my spirit and and those are the individuals that I'm meant to work with. As far as anything that surprised me, I guess the lack of public awareness around what public health professionals do. I remember when I left the bedside, when I left clinical nursing and I started working at the health department, my family had no idea what I did. Like they thought I was either testing water, or inspecting restaurants or something like that, you know. And so Luckily, you know, the pandemic came and and people have a better idea, but pre-pandemic, the general public, uh, the general population didn't have a clue what public health, you know, was and what it entailed and what we, what we did. So, um, so that's still somewhat surprising. Um, What do you have, Zoila? What what
2: surprised you? a uh, few things um so I resonate with what you said Quisha no one knew what public health was i remember when i graduated my mom was like what do i tell my friends you do now
1: <laughs> that's, that's exactly what my family said like what do we tell people when Just they ask like what kind of what kind of nurse are you exactly <laughs> And so I I remember when
2: I told her I got a I got a job at the California department of public health. She was relieved. She's like, okay, I'll just tell them you work for the government now. (laughs) That's an easy answer. So so, yeah, now that the pandemic hit, she's so proud. She's like, Oh my God, my daughter works in public health. So, uh, but what's, what's, what has surprised me and I, I, I feel like, um, the, um, Ever changing, I guess I shouldn't be surprised, but it is surprising just how the dialogue keeps moving throughout the years. Um, I've noticed how I guess the key terms we use over time evolve, and you know, how we talked about smoking 20 years ago is different from how we talk about it now. And then you add the compounding, so it, it almost feels like because life just keeps moving, and our you know, we're just our technology is helping us move faster. And now we have a pandemic and there's just so many compounding factors. I just feel like it moves so quickly. And I think COVID was a really good example. I mean, I guess COVID was like the ultimate example of how quickly things can evolve, like on a daily basis, things were changing at one point. But I think that's what surprised me, just like how, you know, you have to keep up with this field. It is an ever- evolving, always learning kind of environment. I think when I first started in this field, I was like, okay, cool, I'll just work. You know, I'll just, I'll just do this. But the more that I'm in the field, it's like you actually need to be hungry for knowledge because it's always gonna keep growing. <laughs> so I think that's, that's one thing that surprised me. And then on a side note, just on internal career development, I think one thing that surprised me and that I'm almost kind of disheartened about even to this day is that you can't assume your management is going to always have your back. And you can't assume that you will always be welcomed in the job culture, even if you were given the job offer. So I know for me, I've had to find environments that welcome me. But I know I talk to colleagues across the nation, and they feel like, this, this work just doesn't understand me. Like they don't, I don't feel like they appreciate. I don't feel like they see me. I don't feel like I'm heard, even though they ask for my opinion, I don't think they take it. So that's, that's what has been surprising is that as much as we all are in it for a good reason, I'm sure my, you know, previous managers or supervisors or whoever were also in the right place um, for the work. It it is disappointing when you realize, oh, I don't think they really needed me. It was more of like a nice thing to ask me for my opinion. So there are spaces that you find yourself like, you know, am I really appreciated here? And you having to make your own decision of whether or not to move on. And it's a very lonely kind of space if you if you let it be, it can be lonely. But I just I want I wanted to say that because for those who are listening, and if you feel like you know public health sounds so exciting, but I don't know where I'm going to be welcomed. Um, you know, just know that there will be a company that welcomes you, that you will find work that's meaningful um, enough for you to stay somewhere. But it it isn't. It's not going to be rainbows and butterflies. <laughs> <laughs> Once you get the job offer, it sometimes um, is an uphill battle when you get inside.
1: It was, just, that is so good, and,
0: and just-
1: it, it, it really was. And I and I wanted to say this is one of the things that I'm that my mentees and my students struggle with the most. And so I know earlier in the introduction, you said that you primarily work with people that have bachelor's, masters, and doctorates. And if those individuals you know at graduate levels are are expressing that, then just imagine how my students many of my c h w s have you know maybe an associates uh, um Uh, Many of them just a high school degree. And that's some of the same things they tell me all the time. I don't feel appreciated. I'm out in the community. They're telling me I need to come back. They don't understand how long it takes to really be in the community and do what needs to be done. I'm the only person at the table that doesn't have a degree. And so I spent a lot of my time, you know, really empowering, really working like we talked about earlier on that mindset to try to help them overcome that, and that's where I started coining. Like you all are social determinative health experts, they need your expertise at the table as much as you know. You need their expertise for what they do as well. But it is very difficult when people work in cultures that are like that. And 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 I try also to encourage, uh, you know, my students and mentees that they can go somewhere else. That you know, they they shouldn't just think they're limited. But I actually. Uh, you know what you said what what surprised me so I just launched uh, a few weeks ago a couple weeks ago uh, a survey called CHW employment pain points and so I I really wanted to um, find out kind of the challenges that CHWs were having when it comes to searching for a job or applying to a job or interviewing for a job or getting promoted on a job and was really surprised at some of the responses like um, on, on one of the categories, the highest response was, uh, I think is, what is the challenge in, fi- in searching for a job? Scared that the grass will not be greener on the other side. That was the highest response. And that really wow. surprised, I did not expect that to be the, the highest response. So we have we have people that are working in public health organizations where they don't feel appreciated. They feel undervalued. They don't, you know, they're obviously not happy there but they are so scared that if they get another job it's not going to be better than what they have that they're staying there. So then you have burnout, then you're not happy and then it, you know, it kind of rolls over to your peers and then it rolls over to the community that you serve. That's not a good look for public health professionals. So I just, you know, everything that you said just resonated with me. It's right on. So we know that's happening from the entry level position all the way to the doctorate level position.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, let's get some questions and other. Kinds. I see, Miss Glenda, and is it Chin-way? Um So, Miss, go ahead, Miss oh, Glenda. Oh, that's here. Okay,
3: okay. Good evening, everyone. First, um, tonight has really, really been a great. A great discussion. I really enjoyed listening. But I just want to mention um, just a little bit of my background, only a minute or so. I've been in banking for 22 years. I've had my um, MPH for four years or close to four years. I haven't worked in public health in my field since then. Life happens as I was missioning before to some of my mentors, um, my mom became ill. I helped take care of my mom. She's gone home now to be with the Lord and et cetera. But I just feel like that I'm going to go out into the public health field. I've done many volunteering as much as I can, but I'm still, it's almost like I'm stuck where I am in banking yet. Yeah. I'm not stuck. One one side say, it seems like you're stuck, but you're not. So I just want to thank everybody for all the ad openings and just all the things that you mentioned um, tonight that would help me. And and I say this because I may have, I'm in banking for 22 years, but I work in a building alone. All day long, I run that entire building. And I'm work with customers all day, so I know that I am doing public health in some form or fashion. But it's just that I just haven't branched out, but I'm just feeling that public health is something is there for me and I and I'm gonna get there. I'm gonna oh, get Glenda, there.
2: So thank you for thank sharing. You. Yeah. I I know it's gonna happen for you. I, I have two quick thoughts on what you shared, just briefly. Um, number one um, it it, yes it takes time to break into a proper public health role I would encourage you to leverage your community facing client relations um, uh, in banking as as an entryway for a new role in public health so client relations uh, community engagement uh, that kind of uh, space or more of those kinds of roles could be a good, uh, uh, way for you to get in because you have 20 plus years in that already with client facing experience. But then also secondly, I hear so many stories of folks who care for their parents, um, or their siblings, or, you know, just there's so much that we, we handle as family members. I, what I'm hearing is that you've been a caregiver. And so there is a way for you to actually disclose that if it is appropriate for a job that you are seeking. So oftentimes in public health jobs, there is something where you'll notice if you're studying jobs, Glenda, I encourage you to read jobs um, as as much as you can because you start to see this more, where it actually says lived experience is also as, uh, is also as valued as paid or unpaid experience. What I mean by that is lived experience for us who have maybe have had trauma in our lives, dealt with domestic violence, have seen substance abuse, homelessness, incarceration, cancer, all of these really difficult um, uh, spaces that we've occupied. You actually can disclose that on your resume and or on your cover letter plus in your interview if you do it well, delicately, and if it's appropriate for that job. It is not an excuse. It's not a way of saying like, oh, I haven't been working because I had to take care. It's that, you know, I have my priorities in line and this is the skills that I exercise to be a caregiver. This is what I did. So I just wanted to give you those those couple things to think about.
3: And okay, then I thank I'll- you very much. I appreciate
1: it. And then also, Glenda, I would like to say something to you. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I would like to say, first of all, uh, get with Zoila to help you on that resume. Uh, She would definitely help you with those transferable skills. But, you know, I'd like to kind of speak to your mindset because it sounds like you're you're content in banking, but you're yearning for public health. And I would say with 22 years of banking experience, especially the kind that you described, you can always go back to banking. Uh, I'm a woman of faith and I I, I really believe in taking leaps of faith. And so, you know, sometimes we get stuck in those comfort zones. Um, You know, it's already been four years. If you don't just eventually take that leap once you're prepared, right. Once you've got an updated cover letter, resume and you've got some, you know, maybe interview coaching and all of that stuff, go ahead and take that leap. Um, You know, in, in a year's time, if you don't like it, you can always fall back on banking, but um, you probably don't want another year to go by without getting into a profession. With uh, which, obviously, it sounds like um, you really want to be there. So, I wish you the best.
3: Thank you
0: so much. Thank you, Ms. Glenda. Yes. Um, Chinway, is it? Am I pronouncing it correctly?
4: Yeah, you're pronouncing it correctly. Thank you. Um, and I wanted to say thank you, guys, for the space because uh, I've I really resonated with everything the speakers talked about. Um, and what Glenda shared, um, just a little bit about me. I'm graduating with my master's in public health in May, so I'm only a couple weeks, you know, until that day. I'm very excited about it. And um, I actually chose. I used to be in a MSW program, and I actually had worked in like residential facilities very closely with um, vulnerable populations, increasing health outcomes from people who are in those ecosystems. You know, creating health education programs, life skills programs and for two years i worked like i, w- I don't know if i would be called they didn't call me a community health worker but for two years i worked um as a program coordinator for a life skills program but i was out in the community and i ran it inside the group home as well so um we talk about leaps of faith i actually quit that job because i was I'm, i keep getting jobs like this versus now i kind of want to be more on the preventative side i am doing public health stuff here but It is for people who already have been impacted by the trauma versus, you know, being on the, I don't know if it's more administrative or technical side of creating public health programs, consulting on public health programs or health promotion programs. And, you know, thankfully, thankfully, I have the job I have now where I work in health promotion at a school. Um, at a higher education institution. Um, but with graduation, you know, we're always like, I don't know whether it's my personality or, or, well, just I'm always striving, okay, how can I be at the top of what I'm doing? And the my my fear is that I've always had these jobs where there's like a ceiling, right? I can't, there's no really upward mobility that I can have in the organization, which really kind of turns me off to staying long-term. Um, and so I'm just trying to, I'm, my, right now I'm just trying to find to be put into a position in an organization where I can have that mobility, and I'm not sure if it's. it's I'm not, I know it's possible in public health, but I don't know how do I actually get there. Because I do have a couple mentors, I do have people who give me advice, but I think um, I'm pretty confident in what I can bring to an organization, especially with this last job that I'm kind of looking to be put in position versus advice with moving on, you know, and graduating. I don't know if that's clear. So, yeah. oh,
1: go go ahead, Zoila. Oh.
4: Uh. No, I was just gonna say, um,
2: congrats on all of this. It sounds like you're really following how you, you know, how you feel, and you're really trying to, you know, really make your career happen for you. And I, I Thank you. yeah, and I think if you're looking for growth, so what I'm hearing, if I'm correct, is that you want to be in a company that you think that you feel growth is possible. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So I want to say that it's it's kind of growth is possible almost anywhere you would be surprised at how even small businesses small startups or llcs um can help you with your growth versus big companies because there's maybe more competition and it's harder to grow so there's almost a double there's always two sides to the story so i just wanted to give you that um um, those two cents but what i wanted to really share has to do with um Don't feel like you need to be in an organization that will help you continue to get promoted because to be honest, the new workforce or the new mindset and what's even now kind of the social norm is for you to grow within one company in one position for say five years or so. And then you move on to another company because that new company is actually the best place for the new growth. So, you know, I'm finding that it's hard for folks who want to stay long at one company, even if you continue to grow. In fact, I had a colleague who just told me yesterday that he's leaving, even though he's promoted, he's been promoted twice in the last four four years. He's like, I still, I still found something else that can pay me more. So I'm just letting you know that um, that's all great if you want to grow within a company, but even in my career, a lot of my growth has happened when I left that company. And the one time or one or two times I was promoted, it happened accidentally. It was a new role. I had no idea it was going to come up. So, you know, you just never know, I guess, is what I'm trying
4: to tell you. Uh, yeah, that's a good point.
1: And I'll make mine quick because I know we're coming short on time. One of the things that I would say is, you know, when you're interviewing for certain organizations um, to ask about the company culture, ask about those opportunities uh, uh, for improvement, um, ask about, you know, how much, um, how, what value do they place on professional development? How many dollars for professional development? Again, that's something I would also put in my own hand. So, you know, I do, I, I did that when I was working, I always paid to go, you know, to conferences. Maybe I asked for the time off. Um, and so they will give me like the, the, approve my time off, but I might actually have to pay for the travel to go to the conference and everything myself. Um, you can also explore organizations that will allow you to, you um, create your own position as well. So I know that I've worked with students and mentees that have been able to create their own positions. Mm, Maybe there's a new grant funding um, opportunity uh, or funds that have come through. You can do that as well. Uh, But I think also Zoila gave you really, really good um, good information when she said looking at some of the, uh, some of the younger, smaller organizations, even startups now You may work 50, 60 hours per week, right? You may be working uh, multiple hats and definitely stretching yourself, uh, but learning so much and developing so many skills in the meantime. But I am all for not staying. I will tell everybody I'm a millennial. I don't believe in loyalty. Um, Mm -hmm. Get out of a job. go Go to a job. That's why I'm a consultant now. Go to a job, learn everything they have to teach you. You know, develop your skills so that you will be able, if you have to, package it up yourself and offer it to clients as well. Um, mm. I, 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 just, th- there's just a lot of value in being able to, um, um, to, to do that and then move on to the next place and, to, and eventually you'll land somewhere where they appreciate you, um, you know, and, and you can grow. But you know, don't try to look for that. You, you're it sounds like you're young from your picture. You look young. I wouldn't try to, try to look for a 20 or 30 year position right now
0: yeah same same here i've never had a, a job longer than a year since getting my public health degree and i am truly a believer in that job is for a season and some i've had some jobs where the first day i walked in there i was like i ain't gonna be here long oh, <laughs> so
4: true.
0: Joy. Wow. I'm, like, I'm like let me let me learn what i need to learn let me let me be in this season and get ready for the next one and you because know man. i, I...
1: I remember when we actually used to look at resumes and be like, oh, this person job hops. I don't know about job or the organizations that I work with. We don't look at people, quote unquote, job hopping anymore as derogatory. We especially Mm -hmm. if they you know, if they're continuing to build in every um, in every position and kind of go higher and position every um, job that they have. We don't necessarily look at that as a bad thing anymore.
2: Agree. Yeah. As long as you see that ladder, as long that as you see the growth,
1: the yeah. progression yeah. has
2: to be there. Agree. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah,
4: great. That's,
1: that sounds great. I really do appreciate that, that advice. Thank you. Best of luck
0: to you. Thank you. Well, thank you all for coming. We're going to wrap up. Um, so, Quisha and Zoila, won't you tell our listeners where they can find you or share any product, services, upcoming events that you have going on? Yeah, I'll start. Um, so I, I think I alluded to the CHW employment pain
1: point survey um, that's out right now. That survey is advising new program services and products that we're going to be launching soon out of Blue Member Health LLC. Again, to help individuals, primarily CHWs, uh, apply for jobs, search for jobs, interview for jobs and get promoted on jobs. And so uh, I would encourage you to follow us on social media or visit the website to um, join the mailing list. So, you know, when those products and services will be available Do not follow me on Twitter. This account will not be here. Um, You can find me on Instagram uh, or Facebook at Umemba Health. That's U M E M B A Health. And we are also on LinkedIn at Umemba Health LLC. The website is UmembaHealth.com. Our virtual campus for CHWs is UmembaHealthAcademy.com. Can you spell that one more time? I sure can. U M E M B A.
2: Great. And for me, um, you can find Public Health Hired. Um, I have a website, publichealthhired.com, as well as active on Instagram. For this week, I have uh, job alerts being posted. I post jobs um, on my Instagram stories. So this week for National Public Health Week, I've been doing it all week. Follow tomorrow because I'm dropping actually jobs that pay over $100,000 only. So that's a very special job alert tomorrow. But you can find a lot of free material on the website. I actually have a special running this month um, to join the masterclass. You also get 30 minutes of a mentor session with me, as well as access to a resume workshop I'm hosting on April 23rd. Um, So in order to get that, you simply just download the masterclass and you get all of those three features. Um, And yeah, you can really find me on Instagram, TikTok, I am really never on Twitter either. I will not be deleting my account, but I'm just not on here. (laughs) But thanks for this. Um, This was really great. I hope all of you um, had a great National Public Health Week, and I'm around if you have questions.
0: Awesome. And I'm sure you are looking to, you know, get that clarity and direction that you need to be a public health professional so we can narrow down your career path. We can find your niche so that you can feel more prepared and confident in planning your public health career journey. Um, Want to work with me uh, and get where you want to be? You can always book a 15 minute discovery call, which is a pinned tweet on my profile so that we can chat about it. Um, And our next conversation is going to be Thursday, April the 21st at 6 p.m. Central Time, 7 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to be talking all about the Community Health Education Specialist Exam. Um, also known as the CHESS exam. And we'll be talking about the M chess exam as well with Latonya Bynum um, of URA Resource Center and Dr. Giovanni Spinner of Beacon Public Health. So you can join us right here on Twitter Spaces. Look out for that link coming soon. And I hope you all have a good evening and enjoy the rest of National Public Health Week. Thank you. Everyone. Have a good evening.
2: Thanks, Joy. Have a good
1: evening. Take care. Bye.